I'm JR Butler, co-founder and CEO of The Shift Group, and you're listening to Merchants of Change. This is a podcast about transferring the skills and behaviors we acquire as athletes and military veterans into becoming a professional salesperson. Each week, we'll introduce you to a top performer who will help us understand how they became professional merchants of change. What's up, kid? How we doing, Joel? I'm I'm so excited for for our episode today. Thank you so much for being on the show. Thank you, Jr. for having me. I'm doing great. I'm really excited about our chat, um, and just really grateful that that you reached out and are having me on. So appreciate it. Absolutely, absolutely. So um, for for first time listeners, I just want to give everyone a little context. Um, Merchants of Change is a show for new salespeople and, and people who might be considering a career shift into sales. Um, our mission at Shift Group is to help elite athletes and military veterans become elite sales professionals. Um, all of our guests are former athletes or veterans who have found their own success in sales. And, and what we like to do is kind of start with the, the sports career get into the transition. And then we kind of finish talking about um, some sales nuggets and some sales advice. So um, going to the beginning, we wa- we ask a very uh, intentionally broad question. Um, when you look back at your basketball career, I'm, I'm curious to know, like, if I ask you what some of your favorite memories are, where does your mind wander off to? Yeah, I love, love this question. Um, you know, I, it's an easy one for me, right? It's it's the locker room. It's the relationships that were built. Um, you know, of course, like winning was great, right? And um, I loved practicing. I loved the preparation piece of it. But really, like where the magic happens is is the relationships that are built. Um, I still have my my very best of friends are people that I've I've played sports with. Um, you know particularly on, on my college basketball team at Loyola. Uh, they're like sisters to me. And, and I know that I can pick up the phone and call any of them at any given time and they'll be there. And they know that they have the same in me. So it's just that, that bond that you form, there's nothing like it. Absolutely nothing like it. You can't replicate it. I've tried. It doesn't happen. So, so true. I, I can't tell you how common... The answer to that question is uh, the locker room, right? The camaraderie, you know, you you get to hang out with your best friends for five to seven hours a day. It's 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 incredible. Um, when you when you think of some of your favorite teammates at, at Loyola, um, what are some of their like shared traits and characteristics that come to mind for for those favorite ones? Yeah, you know, I I love the fact that everybody's an individual right on a team and so outside of outside of the 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 game or the practice um everybody's their own individual self and so i appreciate everybody's individual attributes and traits um what i always really like in a teammate is just how how are you on the court right like are you someone who's going to be pushing everyone else are you someone who's going to you know, set the bar or raise the bar higher, um, have high standards for yourself and for your teammates. And so, um, you know, I, I think we we had that on my team, but those are the teammates that I want. I want somebody who's pushing me, right? Like 
we're all going to get along or, and we'll have our little spats here and there too off the court and, and everybody's, everybody's an individual, but the ones that I truly think back and just have the most respect for, it's like, who are the ones who were just pushing me? Um, and, and that, that's, that's the ones that, you know, like I'll never forget that because I still, I still think back on that and, and it still drives me today in, uh, in my professional, in my professional world. Yeah, I was just going to say that that nature, that characteristic translates to great teammates in business, too, I think, because you want, you, you know, my, my dad always used to say you're the average of the, of, of the five people you're in the you spend the most time with. So you want to be around people that are better than you and trying to make you better. Yeah. How do you think um, how do you think your college teammates would describe you, Joel? <laughs> um, intense. I still get that word a lot, uh, <laughs> which is crazy because I'm warm and I'm friendly, but, but I, I get it. I do. I have an intensity about me. Um, I just, I firmly believe that like limitations exist in the mind. Right. And so how do you push past, you know, any type of mental limitation that you're giving yourself? And I, I try to be that for my teammates. I try to be that for family, friends, um, my, my team that I manage now at Stryker, it's, you know, and so maybe it does come off as, as a bit intense, but really the, the intention is like, let's get better and let's, you know, let's push ourselves past like our, our mental limitations. And so, uh, yeah, I think, I think that word would probably be a consistent one if I, if I pulled the audience. <laughs> Life is too short not to be intense, right? Like I, I, I'm a big believer that how you do anything is how you do everything. So if yeah. you're intense on the court, there's no reason you won't be intense in the uh, in the workplace too. And that's a that's a positive, not a negative in my mind. Um, looking back at your your sports career, what what would you say you're you're most proud of? Um, yeah, I mean, kind of an interesting story. So at Loyola, my first two years. Um, we were probably a bit too focused on the social aspect of just being in college. And, you know, New Orleans is obviously a, a bit of a party city. Um, so a lot of, a lot of teammates, um, we, our culture was just kind of having, having fun, a little too much fun. Um, and so my freshman and sophomore year, that, that was the culture. And, and going into my junior year, everyone except for three of us, uh, quit. So going into wow. my junior year, it was, we didn't even know if we were going to have a program. Um, and I considered, I considered leaving. I considered transferring out and going someplace else to finish my career elsewhere. Uh, but my coach, you know, sat the three of us down and, and asked us to stick with her. And um, we did just that. And, and we made a pact, the three of us who were left then and there that, you know, whoever, whoever came in, um, they were going to think that our program was you know just nothing but business like we were there to play basketball and we were going to turn it around and um and we did i mean we went from i think my freshman and sophomore year was like a five five win season and like a four win season and that's hard right and we we just we didn't want that anymore we didn't want that any longer for the program or for ourselves and um and we turned it around and and made it to the to the national tournament for the first time and in school history, um, my senior year. And I mean, now the program's one of the, the top five every year. So, I was gonna say, yeah. you know, I, I feel like we left, um, left a legacy, which I'm very proud of. Uh, you know, it's, it's not any individual 
game or any individual accomplishment that that I can look back and say I'm really proud of that. It's the fact that we we just dug in and we we changed the culture and um and left that legacy. That is so cool. I did not realize that. That's awesome to be to be part of a turnaround like that and create a like a long term legacy. Like you said, they're, they're a wagon now. So that is so cool. Yeah. Uh and 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 I think. You know, it sounds like your coach was a big part of that as well, right? And and Absolutely. you know, I grew up uh, with a dad as a coach, and I've always some of the best life lessons I've ever had are from coaches I've had in my in my life, whether that was in sports or or even after, right? Um, do you have like a like a favorite coach and a favorite lesson that that comes to mind? Yeah, I mean, my my college coach um, Doobie Plaisance was more than just a coach on the court. She cared a lot about us as people, and she would always talk about. And I still, I still like hear her saying this today. Um, how what we were doing was going to make us better people, right? Not just better athletes. The the leaving it out on the court and just pushing past those men- mental limitations that was going to make us better wives, sisters, daughters, mothers professionals one day and I didn't understand it in the moment. I heard it, but I didn't get it. And now that I am a wife and a mom and a professional and I I have a team right now currently I, I have you know 17 heads under me. Um I like I, I get it now. I, I completely understand that the work that I put in then really has had a, a, a transformative um, impression on my life and has made me better in every aspect of who I am. And, um, and honestly, I, I can't thank her enough for that, um, for just investing in us as people and not just as athletes. And, um, and it's the way that I approach my team now. I care about them as human beings and I try to connect with them as human beings and I try to make them better, not just at their jobs, but, um, but in every aspect of their lives. So it's, um, something that, you know, I'll never forget and I'll, I'll keep with me forever. That's so cool. I, we have like a, we work with athletic institutions and, and directly with teams. And one of the qualifying questions I ask coaches, you know, what do you think your job is in these, you know, young men's and women's lives? And the right answer is to, to make them better people, right? Like it's, it's not just to win. It's not just to make sure they graduate. But like, are they going to be contributing members of society that aren't entitled and understand that they need to work hard and they're, they're willing to put in the work? And, you know, there's people. One thing that I think people discount about hiring athletes is the exposure they get at a young age to really good leadership. Um, we're very fortunate to play sports at a high level because that means you get uh, you get, you know, shown what great leadership looks like. And it's life changing, like you just said. Yeah. It's awesome. Yeah. No, that's a really, really great point about getting exposure to great leadership. Um, yeah. I had a, a manager tell me one time, like, you know, I, I apologize if I'm not like the other leaders, the other managers that you've had or, or something to that tune. And I said, I've played sports since I was five years old. I've had every type of leader that you could <laughs> ever imagine. Like you're, I mean, no, there's no, no apologies. No, you know, like I've, I've had it all. And, um, you know, I can kind of work through through any of it. So, yeah, I, I agree. I think you're you're just exposed to so many different leadership styles, and um, and it definitely strengthens strengthens the person for sure. 
So, so I imagine you're, you know, you're playing college basketball, you make the national tournament, you know, you're celebrating on Bourbon Street and you just, <laughs> you can't wait to start your sales career, right? Like that's how it worked. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> in, exactly. in, in all honesty though, like how did, how'd you end up in sales? Were there other career paths that you explored in, in your transition? Yes, absolutely. I did explore others. Um, I didn't know what exactly what I wanted to do um, when I graduated. I thought, you know, for a while there, I thought I was gonna, I was gonna coach. Um, I was so passionate and still am about about the sport of basketball, and so I really thought, like, I'm gonna, I'm gonna be a coach. And um, when the time came, I just, I, I decided I didn't want to, and it was a, it was a, an interesting, I guess, decision, but. When I really reflected on what it would mean to be a coach, um, and I and I thought about like my my college coach, and she has two children, and she missed out, and they were and still are incredible athletes. Both of them have played professionally, um, but she had to miss out on a lot because we were on the road, and I didn't want that. Right, so I, yeah. I knew I knew what I didn't want, but I didn't know quite what I did want. I, I knew I needed to kind of. Um, satiate that aspect of me that just was such a competitor. I didn't know where to find it. You know, I was like, where, where do I find this outside of, of the game? Um, and so I just kind of just started on a career, like just whatever. Yeah, <laughs> like, totally. I'll find my way. Let me just get started. Yeah. And so that's what I did. And, um, you know, I, I've, I've been in the, the construction world. Um, you know, I've been in, in, pharmaceutical sales. Now I'm in med device sales and, and have gone into, you know, into a management role where I'm, I'm leading people. And um, I've just had to kind of trust, trust myself and um, continue to, to develop and explore like, you know, what it is that will make me um, make my cup full. And so, and so that's, that's kind of how I've, I've gotten here. Um, but yeah, I mean, there were in along that journey, um, in construction, like there were aspects of the job where I was selling and more and more people kept telling me, you need to get into sales. You'd be great at sales. And <laughs> I'm like, okay, well maybe I should. And so, and so I did. Um, yeah. and, and that's how, you know, that's really, I guess why I got into it. It was a little bit blind and, um, you know, not necessarily incredibly thoughtful, I guess, but I was like, let me give this a try. People keep saying that I should. Um, so that's yeah. awesome. Yeah, that's awesome. And, and, and it's cool, like full circle becoming a leader in business is this, it's you're coaching now, right? And it's, it's about the same size yep. as a basketball team. So, yep. you know, there's the, it's kind of cool that that happened now in those, in that transition from construction into like full blown title of a salesperson, was it like an immediate fit or were there, were there some early bumps when you look back at it? Yeah. I mean, there should be early bumps, right? Like I'm, I'm learning. Um, I always tell my team if if you're not screwing up, then you're <laughs> you're not you're doing something wrong. So yeah, there were probably some early bumps, and and honestly, just getting into pharmaceutical sales, I kind of knew right away. Like, all right, I, I I feel like I'm getting closer to what I'm looking for, but this isn't quite it yet either. Um, mostly because there's there is a little bit of a difference between pharmaceutical sales and, and med device sales. Um, just med device is a bit more tangible. When I sell something today, 
I see it reflected in my number. And so I know that what I am doing right now, I can see the fruits of, of that labor. Um, pharma is a little bit different just because of the way that, that you know, um, scripts are reported and whatnot. But so, um, so yeah, like a, a little bit bumpy at first, just because I was like, ah, I, I think I'm getting close, but I'm not there yet. And then, then I got in a med device and I was like, this is it. Like this, this is the one. If if you went back, do you feel like you would you would have gone right to med device, or do you feel like you learned some stuff in pharma that's helped you in med device? I'm I'm a no no look back person. Um, Perfect. So you know, I I think everything my my journey is uh, one that I have zero regrets about. So I I think that you know I, I landed in pharma first for a reason, and I met some incredible people along the way that I I still keep in in contact with and. Um, so no, I mean, I think, I think that my journey is, is perfect. The, uh, the, the three industry like transition is that's not easy. We get, we get a lot of folks that come to us. They're not like right out of sports or right out of service. They've gone and they've worked in education or construction or some other industry. And they're kind of switching into a new industry or they sold in another industry and they're excited about, you know, the opportunity in med or, or tech, any like kind of nuggets of wisdom about that, like that career, that, that specific industry transition that you think would be helpful for those people, like how to kind of think about accelerating the the ramp time. And when you move into that different industry. Yeah. I mean, I, I think so I'll answer this in, in maybe two parts. So first, first things first, I, I just think that like never sell yourself short just because you didn't come from you know, a sales background doesn't mean you can't excel in sales, right? So, um, like, understand your value as a as a person and your commitment to becoming great, and um, and don't don't psych yourself out. Like, oh, I I, I don't think I can do this because I don't have. You're going to get a million people tell you that you need experience, you need prior experience. Find the one who's going to take a chance on you, and keep going until you find that person, because someone will. If you have those intangibles and if you're committed to get in, like just stay committed to it and find the person who's going to tell you, you know what, you don't have the experience, but I'm going to take a chance on you because I like what I see. Um, so I'll see that. And then as far as the ramp time, I mean, again, it's about it's about digging in and being committed to it and just utilize your resources around you. If you ask someone for help, they will help you. I learned that in totally. construction. I mean, I'm five foot two female in construction, walking into a job trailer with a hard hat. I don't know anything going in, but if you ask for help, people will help you. And, um, and, and I mean, we're in a, we're in an industry where, you know, you have a lot of people with a lot of experience and, um, and, and everybody's typically willing to help. So if you're, if your ramp up is a long time, it's, I'm going to say it's your fault. Right. Because yeah. you just didn't reach out enough and you didn't ask enough. Like you can't live on an island in this world. You have to reach out. And there are so many people, people willing to help. So the ramp up's just about reaching out, expanding your network and, and asking for help. It's it's just like sports. Like you you need to become like a student of the game, right? Like, you know, I I always use the example of like we used to watch this VHS when we were little and we we I saw how Wayne Gretzky taped his his socks when he was getting dressed to play 
that's how I tape my socks. Like, okay, he's, he's the great one. I want to be the great one. So I'm going to tape my like little details like that, that you can pick up from all these people you're surrounded by um, and just become a student of the game and, and get better every day. It's, it's, it's the difference between success and, and mediocrity. In my opinion, is if you're not willing to, if you don't approach it, like with the, with the, that thirst for knowledge, like it's going to be a long road. Yeah. Um, I'm curious to know, like, if you had a Loyola basketball player approach you and was like, hey, I heard med, like, we hear this a lot. I hear med device people make a lot of money, which, which is true. But, you know, there's other places where you can make a lot of money too. What are some like qualifying questions that you're asking them for them to like kind of think, is, is this really, maybe it's sales, but maybe it's not med device. Like, what are some qualifying questions you think about to really consider whether med device is a good fit? Yeah, I, I think if someone asked me about the industry and they were interested, my my question would just be why, um, and then I'd sit back and listen, right? Because totally. if you don't know your why, um, especially in sales, you're just, you're not going to survive. This is not an easy job. It's not like there. It's a beatdown. Um, there are you know there there are some highs. It, it's very much like athletics. The highs are highs, the lows are lows, right? So you have to understand why you want to get in in the first place. And if somebody says it's because you can make good money, I'm gonna go really deep. I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go in on that one, right? Totally. Because um, you, that's just not that's not the right reason to be in it. It's a good reason, right? It's a good it's a good part of you know part. the. Part of your why, if you want to make good money, yeah, you can do it here for sure. But um, but there's so many things that in order to even get to the good money that you have to get through and work through. And man, it's if if you don't if you're not in it for the right reasons, then you just you won't make it. So I think really just understanding someone's why is is I would just I would listen and then kind of take it from there. But that's yep. the number one. Absolutely. That's a, that's a question we require every, every kid to answer and, and every company to see their answer. Cause I, that's the only question I would ask people when I interviewed them for entry level sales. I'm like, why, why do you want to do this? Yeah. And and why do you think you're good? You're going to be good at it. Right. Like you, it, it shows whether they're self-aware or not and whether they really understand what they're signing up for. Right. I have a lot of friends in med device and they love it. They're passionate about it. And they made a lot of sacrifices to get to where they are today, right? There's the on calls, the traveling. Like, if you don't have a good why, that's going to be a, a struggle, right? Um, curious to get your take on this. Uh, you work at the, I would argue, probably the most well-known uh, medical device company in the world. But if you had a, if you had a kid come to you, that same person, you like their answer of why. What and they say, what type of company should I be looking for? Like, what what are some of the characteristics of a great place to start your medical device career? In your opinion? Yeah. Um, so I think really, I would say just get your foot in the door first, right? Like, I agree. Once your foot is in the door, you can kind of explore from there. And I'm not I'm not advocating being a job hopper necessarily. I'm just saying get your foot in the door um, because it's a lot easier to land at one of the top companies once you've had some experience. If you can get your foot in the door at a top company, great. That's outstanding. Do that. And there are so many opportunities at top companies to to just get your foot in the door. Um, But 
if you're struggling with that and you have an opportunity that you're, this isn't my one, but I know that, you know, I'm, I'm getting the offer. Yes. Take it, get your foot in the door. hundred percent. Um, outside of that, I mean, I would say definitely you, you want, um, you know, managers, managers make or break you. Even at top companies, there can be managers that just aren't, you know, aren't necessarily invested in their people the way that, that, you know, you would want someone to be invested in you and your future and your growth. Um, so, you know, you should be interviewing a manager just as much as they're interviewing you because the last thing you want is to, to get your foot in the door and then burn out within, you know, a couple of months because you just had a terrible experience. So, I mean, I, I think that that's a, a really big part of it too, is just making sure that the person who's hiring you is going to be invested in your development, um, invested in you as a person and, um, you know, and, and wanting to see you grow in your, in your career. I, I couldn't agree more. It's like that foundational leadership that you get in your first job is critical. Yeah. Um, but, you know, in certain industries, it does like get in the door and then you can kind of figure out like what, what type of, you know, thing that you really want to look for, right? Maybe it's one of the biggest and best. Maybe you like a, a smaller, earlier stage company, you know, who knows, but you got to get in, get the foundational stuff down and then, and then figure that out. Um, we talk a lot, obviously about, you know, that student of the game thing, but continuing to be a student of the game, right? I'm, I'm, I'm 60 plus quarters of sales and I learn something new every day. Um, one thing that's always intrigued me because, because I had teammates, hockey teammates that are in med device and I love the guys. They're really smart, but I pictured them as like 24 year olds when I was 24 being in front of doctors. And like, you got these, these guys and girls who went to school for so long, they know so much. What, how, how does a, how does a young person like that, what can they do to like get caught up enough to like add value in that room with their doctors um, that, that that they're working with. Yeah, I mean, look, you're 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 going to say some things that you look back on in your career later and go, <laughs> I can't believe I said that. And like, why did that doctor even speak to me ever again after saying something just so remedial, right? Um, <laughs> and so again, it's like you got to be okay with that. Like, you you've got to be okay with the fact that you're going to screw up. Uh, you're not going to hit it out of the park every single time. But, um, you know, just as far as just getting to a, to a place where you feel ready enough, like don't wait until things are perfect. You're not going to feel ready enough, but maybe go in and, and establish some relationships with some, some doctors that, um, that you feel comfortable with that, you know, feels more like a friend and, and kind of practice some of your talk tracks on them. Um, and then you can kind of branch out and, and feel more confident going in talking to one of those doctors who just isn't warm and fuzzy and maybe uh, like cares really um, a lot about like the clinical aspect of things and you have to be super buttoned up. But, you know, there, there are certainly some doctors out there that you, you know, you can connect with and um, that feels more like a friend. And, and I would say just kind of lean on them at first and stay a little comfortable with them and then, then branch out from there. Um, but yeah, I mean, there's, there's never a time you're truly going to feel ready, ready, right? Like, okay. Just put your put your big boy, big girl pants on and be willing to screw up. It's okay. Yep. Yep. Absolutely. Failure isn't fatal. That's for sure. That's right. Um, 
We, uh, so my vision, the reason I actually named the company Shift Group instead of just Shift was the vision was always like moving horizontally um, from like my background in tech and moving into medical device and pharma. Um, and we accelerated it quicker than I had planned, mo- mainly uh, because we, we've seen like a complete bloodbath of layoffs in tech and in software. It feels like to me that both medical spaces, pharma and med device, are a little bit more resistant to recessions. Would, would you agree with that? And why, and why do you think that is? Um, I don't know. That, that's a tough one for me to, to maybe comment on. I think that um, in my experience as, you know, I, through COVID and now kind of some of the some of the economic uh, situation that we're facing right now, like I, I, I've seen the ability to to kind of be a little bit more, I guess, nimble in these situations, just because we are so large. Um, right. I don't know what that looks like from a, a smaller company standpoint. Um, I, I mean, I guess my my answer there is I, I don't have a great one. Um, yeah, I just I feel like you know from again from my lens, what I've seen here where I'm at is that we're able to to just kind of, you know, maybe ask our customers, like, do, do a little bit of a price increase here or, you know, maybe cut out some expenses, hiring freezes, travel bans. Like, we're able to do things like that that can kind of free up some some cash flow um, and, and make us a bit more resistant to the you know the economic state that we're in um but from a small company standpoint in med device or pharma i don't know what that looks like Like, do they have that ability i I don't know so i don't know if it's it's if i see it my like one way because i'm at a larger company or if it's because i'm i'm med sales i don't i don't know yeah you know yeah totally yeah And and i think like you know especially in markets like this i think ultimately that is going to impact everybody, right? So you've got to, that be ability to be nimble and, you know, tweak some things of how you're selling, how you're positioning, how you're messaging. That's yeah. going to happen in every industry. Yeah. Um, we all, we like to ask uh, folks from other industries this question. So in video, you know, in video games, you can like go in and like build your own player. If, if you could do that for a medical device rep, like what are the, the skills and attributes that you're like cranking up to a hundred on the vid- on the build your own med device rep video yeah. game. Yeah, no, I, I like this, um, and and I think about it often, right? Because I'm constantly hiring, and and so I, I know what I'm looking for. Um, yeah, you gotta have a growth mindset. Like you just have to. You have to be someone who's willing to constantly um, develop and grow and learn. And, and have that thirst for more, like wanting more, wanting to do more, be more. Um, you know, I, I read something recently just about allow, allowing your mind to be a free agent, right? Like you've got to be able to just want to take more in and, and, and kind of shift where you need to. Um, you know, so, so I always look for a growth mindset. I want somebody who is a problem solver because that's, that's what sales is, right? Like, you should be asking questions, listening to the answers, understanding where pain points are, and coming up with a solution for that. Um, and you know, the solution exists in your bag. You just have to figure out where you know where you can kind of plug and play those those things in your bag um, to to solve the problem. But 
you have to be a problem solver, um, a grinder. I want somebody who just doesn't quit, right? Like you're going to get so many no's. It, it's going to happen. Figure out a way to get to a yes. The yes is there. Yeah. You just have to figure it out. Um, you know, and then somebody who just has that, like that healthy level of paranoia. Yes. When I'm interviewing, I always ask, like, what keeps you up at night? And if somebody tells me nothing, I sleep well. I don't want you on my team. No. <laughs> I no. want the wheels turning constantly, you know. And and there's yeah. a there's there's a healthy level of that. There's an unhealthy level of that. But I want somebody who who feels like slightly unsettled all the time because that means that you know they I, they just have that thirst to go out and and grind it out. Um, and then of course coachability. Uh, I I just. I know it alls are just not, you're not going to do well in this industry. Probably not anywhere. Um, no. no one knows it all and that's okay. And you have to be willing yeah. to raise your hand and say, I don't know it all. Um, you have to be willing to trust the people around you who have done it before and, um, you know, who, who can kind of help guide you and coach you to do it, to do it in a way that, that is, you know, going to be successful. So um, yeah. those are the things that, that I care about and that I really look for. I, I love the paranoia. I, I, I always call it like, I want it. I want someone with a pit in their stomach. Like just, yeah. you know, everybody loves to win. There's nobody in the world that doesn't want to ring the bell, but who, who's the guy or girl that wakes up with like a fear of failure. Right. And has, and, and a healthy amount of that, like pit in your stomach every single morning, which I, you know, at 40, I still wake up with every single day, you know, even after some success, but that's, that's the, that's the key that will drive you though, for sure. Yeah. Um, so, so while you're leading your team, um, what are some of the, like the, the core, like sales concepts that you work to instill in your teams in terms of like the mindset of how they approach their customer relationships and, and the way they run their business? Yeah. You know, I, um, I, I, obviously want someone who is going to be able to, to create a plan, right? Um, I want to see someone's process. And I'm I'm one who, it doesn't have to be my process. I'm not going to give totally. you a template and say like, here's the process, go do it. Um, I believe that everybody, you know, can have their own and, and, and different people with different processes can all be successful. You have to do what works for you. You have to do what makes sense for you and your market and your customers. Um, but I want to at least see that you have a process and a plan and that you're able to kind of work through it. Um, of course, be nimble. You're always going to have, you know, you're always going to have to go down at like plan B, C, D, E, F. But as long as you have those things in place, um, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm good with that. Like that's, that's what I really want to see. And that's what I try to help my, my team develop. Um, also just the ability to, to listen. Um, I want, again, sales is, it's, it's a conversation, you know, it, it truly is a conversation. I, I don't mean to be, um, to dumb it down too much or to, to kind of not appreciate like the fact that it is hard and it is a grind, but it truly is about connecting with people and listening, understanding what it is that they're telling you. Um, you can get a lot of information in a short conversation if you're just listening and um, you know, and, and asking the right questions. So that's really important. Um, and then just the ability to think creatively. Again, you're gonna get a ton of no's. Um, what resources can you rely on? What are some things that 
that you can do to be creative to, to get to that yes. Um, you know, I, that's one thing I will say about, um, about med sales is you typically have a ton of resources, right? Like there are, there are numerous ways that you can help educate your customers or, you know, help, help a customer acquire, um, capital equipment or whatever that looks like, but you've got, you've got to reach out to those resources and pull them in and, and present those to your customer and just be creative in the way that you structure deals and, um, and, and get to your number. So. Those are things totally. that, that I, I coach my team to. That's awesome. I, the, the second part of that, the, the listening skill, like I can't emphasize that enough for our audience. The, the first lesson I learned in sales, I, I like spent my first like two weeks, like really like knowing the product that we were selling. And my first sales call, I just puked all over the customer. And my boss, who became a really big mentor to me, pulled me in another room and he's like, JR, how many eyes do you have? Or how many ears do you have? He's like, two. How many mouths do you have? One. And, I, and, and, I, and then he said, act accordingly. Don't ever do that again. Right. Yeah. So um, I love well, we've that. We've all done and, and, that, right? We've totally. all done that. Like you get excited, you learn the material, you're about to go in and have that first conversation and you just vomit. And again, though, you have to be willing to, like, look back on that, reflect and go, I can't believe I did that, you know, and, and learn from it and move on and keep going in and seeing that that doctor and, and, you know, just be persistent and stay committed to your process. And yeah, but we've all done that. That's, that's normal, I would say for sure. To totally, <laughs> totally. Now you, you shared, uh, like a big mentor you had in your college coach. Um, yeah. Do you have any do you have, have you had any mentors in, in like your career and, and any lessons that, that you learned from them? Like, like the one I just shared that, that have been really important to you? Yeah, um, definitely. I mean, you know, just thinking about like, I, I talk about like reaching out, expanding your network. That's another thing too. If you don't have at least one mentor, then stop what you're doing right now and go get one. Um, totally. Because you need someone who can, you know, you can sit down with on a monthly basis, whatever that looks like, um, that you can kind of just learn from, right? Like talk to them about what it is that, that you're experiencing and gain knowledge from them. Let them give you, pass along the knowledge that, that they have gained over time. Um, but yeah, I, I, I absolutely have. And I think the biggest thing for me that I've learned, you know, I, I came from a startup. And, um, and we were acquired. So the company that I'm at now acquired this startup that, that I, I came from. And it's a very different world, right? Very different world. But one of the first things that I did when we were acquired is I found a mentor who had started with this company who could kind of help me navigate what, yeah. what it is to live in this world of you know, a, a large corporation because it's so wildly different. And um, I, I don't know that I'd still be here if I didn't have that mentor that, that I established early on because it's, it's like I said, just very different. And so, um, so yeah, I mean, I think I just, it's very specific to me, but I just, I learned kind of the, the inner workings of a large corporation by finding someone who had been there for a while. Um, and again, like if it's if, if that's not something that you have in place already, like, like I said, stop what you're doing right now and find someone. And I've had several people ask me to mentor them. My answer is always yes. 
you know, if I ever get to a point where I don't feel like I can pour into them because I just don't have the, the bandwidth, I will say no, um, because I don't want to establish something that I can't actually give to. But um, my point in, in saying that is if you ask someone to help you, once again, like I talked about earlier, if you ask someone to help you, they're going to help you. People want to help. 100%. 100%. So final two questions for you. Uh, we ask everybody these. We, we're very curious to know, like you've, you've had a lot of success in your sales career. What do you, can you highlight like one skill that you think has, has helped you achieve what you've achieved in, in your sales career that makes you elite? Um, y- yes, I think. <laughs> I think <laughs> this is my, a hard one. No. And, and honestly, it, it, it applies to more than just sales for me too. But like, I think that. For me, you know, you hear the old adage, when the going gets tough, the tough get going. I just thrive in a really tough situation, right? Like I want it, you know? And so it's kind of the, you know, the the game is tied and there's seconds left. I'm the like, give me the ball. Like, yeah. I got this, you know? And so um, I think that that's kind of what has made me... Um, elite. If if we'll call myself elite, then then yes, that that's... It's just that that ability to kind of um, take control in in those really tough situations and just kind of say, you know what, I've, I've got this. Um, and that comes with a lot of preparation, right? And, and just you don't have the confidence to to have the ball in your hands at the end of the game if you haven't prepared to you, you know prepared yourself up into that point. So you know, just always always like honing your skills and. You know, staying, staying, you know, um, ahead of the game, and, and so that when when you do have your face with that really tough time, uh, you're just you're ready to take control. Yeah, yeah, you're ready to hit the shot. Yeah, that's right. That's right. I, I love it. Um, so growing up, my dad used to say to me and my brothers, "There's a lot of people that play hockey. There's not a lot of hockey players." <laughs> and he really like instilled in us this idea of like professionalism. Right, like approaching what you do uh, to to try to be the best that you can be at it, and and all the things that come with that, right? And in sports, that's that's nutrition, it's fitness, um, it's studying game tape, and I and I don't think it's that different uh, for whatever career you choose. Even if you're a third grade teacher, you can be a professional third grade teacher, right? So I think the best uh, kind of name that you can give a salesperson is this person is a pro, a pro. So for you, like what, what makes someone a pro as a, as a seller? Yeah. Um, I think, you know, a pro as a seller is the same as a pro is, is in, in, in anything. Um, it's really just a commitment to your journey. You know, it's, you set out in something and you, you stay committed to it. Um, you make, positive choices, you're disciplined, you're intentional about your your choices. Um, it's nothing's easy, right? It's never gonna be easy, but you stay committed to it and you um, you know, you, you trust the process. But yeah, I mean I, I don't know any pro in anything that is ever just like if you're someone who gives up when things get hard, um, you'll never get to pro status. You just won't. Yeah. 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 So true. It's like you're you're doing the hard things when the motivation isn't there. It's like you need discipline more than you need motivation because motivation comes and goes. Discipline is is always there. Yeah. 
I love it. Uh, this was so good. I, I hashtag required listening. Tom, Tom wants me to make sure we say that because it's true. Um, this is going to be required listening for all our medical device candidates and candidates in other industries. This was such a great conversation. Joel, thank you so much for giving us the time today. We really appreciate it. No, thank you, JR. I mean, honestly, I love nothing more than to be able to give back to, you know, athletics or um, my athletic career. Uh, so just any any way that I can kind of pass on some knowledge to, to those athletes out there and, and veterans. Of course, my husband's a veteran too, to, that are aspiring salespeople. Um, I just, I appreciate you to allow me to, to do this. So thank you. I love it. I love it. First you learn, then you earn, then you return. Thank you for returning right. the favor, Joel. Thank you. This wraps up this episode of Merchants of Change. If you enjoyed this episode, the most meaningful way to say thanks is to submit a review wherever you listen to podcasts. If you're interested in working with us, please come find us at www.shiftgroup.io.